Welcome to life, bringing you insight and experiences into love, relationships, and fertility with a focus on enjoying life and moving forward. On today's podcast, we'll be speaking with three women about their fertility journeys. Welcome to life, love, insight, fertility, experiences. I'm here with three women who wanted to share information on their fertility journeys with the goal of helping those on similar paths recognize they're not alone. These three ladies have their own unique story, and yet there are many common threads. For identification purposes, we'll be using anonymous names. So we'll be referring to one as P, one as H, and one as M. Thank you all for being here today. I thought it would be nice if we could take a moment to share a part of your journey and then continue our conversation. So, P, would you like to start? Sure. So, going into this, I never expected that we would have to seek any type of fertility treatment. Um, When my husband and I got married, we decided to wait to have children for about a year, and at that point, I was already 35 years old, and um, I had heard about you know, being geriatric mother and all that. That number's so scary. Yes. So, um, but I didn't think it would ever have an effect on me. So um, I saw the, my regular gynecologist, um, I think it was twice in one year. And then after that, you know, we started trying and it just wasn't working. So we went to a fertility clinic and it was a sort of slippery slope. Um, We got on Clomid for a few months and then got pregnant, which was great. And then I had a miscarriage, which was not great at all. And then we waited a few months and we did two rounds of IUI, which didn't work. Um, And then we jumped into IVF. And during this whole time, we were not happy with our fertility clinic at all. Um, I just never really felt comfortable. I didn't feel a connection to the doctors. I was really impatient and I didn't know that Obviously, I had other choices, but I just felt like I had to go with this one because I had started there. Right. There's very much that feeling people have. Right. Um, And so then we did one round of IVF, and um, we did (coughs) a fresh transfer. And on that same day, my husband's best friend passed away. Um, So that was incredibly hard. Um, and the transfer didn't take. Um, so that was, you know, a huge curveball in our journey. Um, and after that, we took a little bit of a break, decided to switch clinics. Um, and then I like to think that my husband's friend was maybe watching over us because then we did have success with our second round of IVF. And um, I'm now pregnant. And soon to be delivering. Yes. And my due date is in two weeks so yeah yeah you know I had asked if you could just give a brief synopsis but there's so much that goes into that and some people would say oh my goodness like Clomid in two rounds and then you know this horrible loss like a double loss Mm -hmm. and others would look at it very differently Mm -hmm. because their journeys were so different yes could you either one of you relate to that or understand that yeah I mean for for me my journey was, it was similar, you know, but it, the duration was quite long, yes. um, which is, you know, which is painful in and of itself because you think when you start out, you think that you're going in to do this process with the outcome 
you know, to have a baby in the, the near future. So for me, it was it started when I had just around when I turned 38. Uh, my boyfriend and I had had postponed, even though we had been together for years, we had postponed having kids because uh, there was a lot going on in our life and just that sort of thing. So life happens. Yeah. Right. And right. the time goes and that number 35 could be really scary, but it's not cut in stone. You know, some people have challenges at 25 and others at 40. Right. But it's just a number when eggs start to change, mm-hmm. you know, in a more significant manner. Right. I'm sorry for interrupting no, you. No, that's okay. And, and I know that I knew that number 35 that everyone knows is like the scary point. And I had mm-hmm. it on my mind after I turned 35. And finally, around when I was 38, I had said, we better start doing this or we're going to have some hard, hardship coming our way. So little did I know, you know, what was ahead of me. But I did get pregnant very quickly. Just a, a few months later, I was pregnant at 38. And I thought, oh, you know, what was I even worried about? You know, um, but that pregnancy ended in a miscarriage at, at nine weeks and I had already heard the heartbeat and everything so it was very you know it was very unfortunate uh, it's horrible yeah it's it was. a horrible experience mm-hmm. um, but actually I mean it was it was a har- horrible experience but I, I did take some hope that I did get pregnant so quickly yes so I felt okay you know and I had known a lot of people that had had miscarriages and although it's unfortunate you know like I thought it was kind of normal you know my mother even had one when she was in her you know early 30s so I thought it was something that happened like on and it is something that we've talked about with lots of different people and on this podcast before they can't even quantify the number of miscarriages because there's so many of them yeah yeah, and some you don't even know. You know, a lot of times you don't. You're not even aware you have a miscarriage because. Right, and it's many say it's just nature's way. Yes, right. We jumped back in and started trying again, and I got pregnant again, again very quickly. Another two months later, and that ended in another miscarriage. And so I, I basically within a few weeks of having my second miscarriage, I was at the the fertility clinic talking about IVF. You know, at that point I was approaching 39 and I realized that, okay, now I'm going to have trouble. And I did do a few cycles of Clomid, um, which didn't work. And I became increasingly frustrated with the fertility clinic that we were at at that point. so I did end up switching, even though, as what P said, where, where once you start somewhere, you know, again, you're on like a time limit. I, I felt that I was on a time constraint where I just needed to get this done before I got any older. And I didn't want to go through the, the hassle of switching clinics. Uh, so it was it was a decision that I did decide to do. I decided to switch clinics in the midst of before, you know, before I did started an actual IVF cycle. So um, I switched to another another facility which I was happy with and we jumped right into doing IVF um, but but this did take about four or five months before I was actually doing my first cycle because then I needed to there was a couple different complications I had cysts in my ovaries and there was so that I had to get them removed before I started so it's not it's never as direct or at least in my experience it's not as direct as you know you just go in have IVF and you're pregnant in four weeks. For me, it wasn't like that at all. So, you know, from my first miscarriage, flash forward from over a year later, a year and a half later, I'm starting IVF now in my 39th, you know, I'm 39 now. And so... age was something that was on your mind the whole time. Mm -hmm. Because I was well aware, especially after you start entering the process, you start reading about statistics and stuff. And so I was aware that the older you got, especially approaching 40 and then post 40, 
uh, it, it became much more difficult in general. So I had that on my mind. So I was in a, in a rush to start IVF and to, to get pregnant, you know, as quickly as I could. Um, anyway, I, I did do my first cycle, didn't end up uh, very successful. I, I think everything was fine. I got a decent amount of eggs, but the fertilization rate wasn't very good. So I only ended up with one embryo. So at that point, I realized that I had to do a few different cycles to gather as many embryos as I could sort of to, you know, make um, hay while the sun still shines kind of, you know, <laughs> so to speak. I was trying to just gather and batch as many as I could uh, so that I would end up with at least, you know, a pregnancy out of out of it. So I did that and, and I ended up doing six cycles, six complete cycles uh, without transfers, freezing the embryos. And at the end of the six cycles, I had 13 embryos and it, it took a, an entire year of cycles. We did, we did IVF um, egg retrieval cycles every other month, every other menstrual cycle month for a year or so. Uh, and froze all of the products, which was 13 embryos at the end of six cycles. And then we tested them for chromosome uh, ab like abnormalities. They can do that now because I wanted to avoid having any more miscarriages. And so they tested all 13 and actually none out of the 13 came back normal. So at the end of that year, we were, you know, the, it was like the, the climax and it was complete, you know, devastating blow that we had nothing to show for it. And we were actually just, you know, back to square one. Right, especially when do. you think you have 13. Yeah. And then you realize with 13 can really amount to in right. the end. I mean, I thought I was going to have to have four kids. Absolutely. But it, you know, <laughs> and so do many. Like, it's a hard conversation that a lot of the doctors have to have explaining that that many embryos or that many eggs can result in right, X nothing. amount of embryos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was, it was very depressing. So that sort of dead-ended our... our you know our journey t somewhat temporarily but uh it took us it took us a long time to kind of get up after that letdown yes. um and so after that we did do a two more little mini ivfs with a different clinic we went on another um a second opinion just to find out and you know generally when you go through that uh six cycles and two miscarriages and you're approaching 40 i think i was was 40 at this point I think so. um the most doctors, or at least the ones we encountered, would tell you that, you know, that was enough. That was enough money. That was enough um, emotional strain on your relationship, on your life, enough, enough physical uh, duration for medication, all of that. So It's really a physical, emotional, and financial mm -hmm. impact at that point. Right. Not that it's not at a first one, mm -hmm. but as you go through the years, it becomes more so. Right. Yeah. So... And, and I knew that to be true at that point. I, I had, you know, put all my, like, eggs in the basket, <laughs> no, no pun intended, that I, uh, I was going to do this, the six cycles. And, and I, of course, assumed I was going to be successful. But uh, at that point, I knew that I was, I was finished doing, you know, those sort of egg retrieval cycles. But I did, it did try two more mini, mi minimal medication cycles that we thought might, might, yield some success but they did not work either so uh so then we just stopped and we didn't do anything for a year and we signed up for you know um some other non-traditional ways to go mm -hmm. like egg donor lists or adoption right. and which was you know a hard path to sort of look at as your only option at that point especially right. because you know i 
I was 40, which is old geriatric, you know, for motherhood. But I'd like to destroy that name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there is a many first-time moms in their 40s, in, in yes. their early 40s. Right. And so it, it's not unfeasible. Uh, but but we had a nice year of no medication, and we took a lot of vacations, and then we ended up ultimately getting matched with an egg donor, and I had a beautiful baby girl. Beautiful girl. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know. And all the bonding there's there. Mm-hmm. Everything is there. Mm-hmm. But what a difficult process to go through. Yeah. And what a different way to redefine how you're going to have your baby and how you're going to have your family. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, although it's not, you know, when I we started out in this process, it was sort of the the thing that I couldn't even co- like fathom it going that yeah. direction. And, and and of course, I thought it would never happen to me. You know, I was taking control of the situation. I was jumping in and going straight and gathering yeah. and saving all my <laughs> eggs that I had left. And uh, and I never thought it would come to this. And if somebody told me at the beginning that I was going to end up with this type, you know, type of ending, I would have been devastated, and it was devastating. But at the end of the day, I, I am, um, you know, have mm-hmm. a beautiful child that would never change, you know, anything about her. Yeah. And maybe the process, yes. But I think it's so hard to share that. I know mm-hmm. it is for you, and thank you because yeah. one of the things we spoke about was not misleading people about everybody else's journey. So right. I, I really appreciate you sharing that with everybody. Em, hi. Would you like to give us a little information about what happened? Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm 41 now to give you um, an idea of ages and timelines. And my husband and I actually started trying probably around when I was, when we were, when I was 33. Um, so that was quite a long time ago. So when I hear some other stories, like when I'm hearing you guys talk, I'm so enamored by the fact that you're recalling these details because I feel like the details at the time I could recall, but now looking back, it's really hard for me to remember like how many, I can't even remember how many cycles of IUI I did, for example. Um, But so I'm going to try to just give a quick overview. Um, So we probably went to our, we started trying 2011 after a minor cancer scare and then, um, which ended up not being cancer, um, and it was a, basically a year after we were married, and I just had this feeling we were having trouble um, getting pregnant, and we really tried the natural, n- very conservative route for so long, like I did acupuncture, I did all of this, you know, everything, you name it, I did it. Um, chiropractic care, Mayan massages, like everything. Um, and so I don't even remember when we f- went to our first fertility, fertility doctor. I think it was around 2013, and that was just to kind of like get started. Um, and then we did, through that first clinic, we did so many IUIs. Um, I took breaks. We actually went to another doctor after that, and you guys also talked about like switching doctors. It's so hard because um, I actually ended up seeing three doctors, um, and just I understand the feeling of like having to start again. <laughs> it's so frustrating um, starting again, starting in a different place, reviewing everything again. Um, Don't you also find that when you have to start with the new doctor, it's 
giving up the hope on that doctor and the trust that you had. So yes. it also becomes the emotional yeah. connection and the trust because you start to have a bond with them when you first meet. Yes. So we went to a second fertility doctor and probably around like 2014. Um, and then he worked on some like natural thyroid treatment. Um, we did more IUIs, IUIs with injectables, Clomid, you name it. And then we ended up doing um, a round of IVF. The following month, I got pregnant. I had a miscarriage um, while I was traveling in China. And it was awful. And um, that was my first miscarriage. We ended up waiting again, probably like almost a year. We did another cycle of IVF. That one failed as well. Um, and essentially, it led me to our, our third fertility doctor. And he actually pretty much like as soon as he saw me, he thought that I had endometriosis um, and which I had asked every single doctor about because I had this feeling that I had it. And um, I kind of just got like, no, well, it doesn't affect fertility. Um, and he felt like I, it does infect, affect inf infertility. And he actually sent me to a surgeon who specializes in endometriosis. I had, so in April of 2017, I had endometriosis surgery. I had multiple cysts removed. I had my right fallopian tube removed. Um, and it was quite devastating, like going through that and um, being diagnosed at 39 years old with, with endometriosis was really hard and it was almost like an answer but at, at that point I still didn't know if that was going to bring me you know to a pregnancy to a healthy pregnancy um, we actually did a round of IVF so this is the third round of IVF we did the following month after that surgery and I got pregnant and um, I delivered a healthy baby girl was now 15 months old, which, you know, is amazing. And, you know, it's, it's the answer that I wanted. Thank you for sharing everything you went through. The three of you had such different paths that you went down and such different ways to have a baby and to have the family that you want. And yet there were so many common themes that people have to experience. And that's what I think is the interesting thing to really talk about is this desire to have a family and how you have to go about it and to what length you go about it. And does it really matter what age you start? Does that have to be the impotence to starting? You know, and all of you actually separately mentioned to me wanting a second child and the concern about that. And Pete didn't have her first child yet. Right. So, so what do you think of this? What do you think of what everybody shared at this point? Well, I think uh, one of the things about fertility journeys that I've come to learn is that I, I never realized just how many different ways there are and, and different types of fertility treatments and, and uh, processes that you go to go through in order 
to have a child. I think I had, you know, minimal uh, information about IVF. You know, I knew that, that you went in and got the egg and fertilized it and put it in the uterus and then a baby was made and that, that was sort of it. And I didn't know that there was so much involved uh, and so many different ways to achieve a pregnancy and so many ups and downs. And so many ways to kind of have the family that you want. Yes, right. And the journeys are always, in most cases, harder than you think. Yes. They're never quite as simple as go to the doctor, start IVF, or do an IUI, or take a few Clomid pills, and, you know, so nine even months though, later. Even though we can all have different paths, like Em was talking about going the alternative medicine route for quite a while, before she started to go into traditional medicine. And then she had to found the right doctor who could do the right diagnosis. And as soon as that was done, she got pregnant, right. which is remarkable. Yes. For other people, we have to redefine how to have a family, which is a whole nother path that people have to take at times. So I've been fortunate in many ways to work with people who have made sure they've had their families whether through surrogacy or adoption or donor egg, because the desire to have the family is there. And they wind up all being beautiful families. When you start the process, right, you go in with a lot of hope, and you, and you go in with a lot of excitement. Would you agree with that? Or what do you think? Or do you, an apprehension, anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's hope. And you know, you're anxious to start this process. There definitely is anxiety about not exactly knowing how things are going to go. And for me, a lot of it was, you know, everything is um, revolved around your menstrual cycle. So everything, right? Your whole life revolves around your menstrual cycle. So, you know, you have to wait and and I'd be looking at my calendar that would tell me when I was due for my period. And I'd be uh, kind of just trying to figure out how if I got my period on Tuesday, the 23rd, then I'd be going into the doctor on this day and I'd be assessing my next few months based on this. What about the impact this has on your relationship right? Well, with your partner? I had a support group at one point where somebody was saying that they would ask, they would like hang from the chandelier if they had to, anything, because when they were ovulating, they were mm-hmm. ready. Mm-hmm. So everything about the relationship what you're eating, how you're drinking, where Mm -hmm. you're going out, when you're having sex, when you're not, everything becomes around your cycle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What impact has that had on a relationship or does it have an impact on the relationship? I think it does. I think it completely takes over, at least for me it did. It was like the number one thing on my mind, all consuming all the time. Like everything was about the menstrual, cy- menstrual cycle month after month. And everything is just about what mm-hmm. H had mem- uh, mentioned before, which yeah. is, come on, I got to hurry up. Yep. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. Right. And I Did think you feel that? I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I, um, when M mentioned the alternative medicine, I also did that as well. I was very impatient. So every month I told myself I was going to take a break along with my husband I would still get acupuncture and I was on Chinese herbs and doing massages and all these little things in between and Googling like a madman, which was of no help. Um, (laughs) But the Googling or the alternative medicine? The Googling. Yeah, Googling. The Googling. Anywhere good. No. 
That's no. like my mantra many times is please stop Googling. Yes. Please stop <laughs> researching. It's good, it's good to have some knowledge, but then sometimes it becomes way too much. Yeah. yeah. And we want to try and reduce stress while we're trying right. to right. get pregnant because it's stressful enough. Right. Right. We talk yeah. about blood flow, and when you're stressed, it's very hard to have normal blood flow. And acupuncture is really wonderful at trying to normalize the blood flow. Right. Right. What do you think, Em? I have so much to say, too, um, about going back to just the relationships. I remember when we first started all of this, um, we had heard just about how it can be so hard on on husbands and wives and there can be divorces that happen. And I remember my husband like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. And he still says to this day, like, that was the hardest thing, you know, hopefully we'll ever have to go through. And now I understand. Like, it, it was so, so hard on our relationship. And we got through it, and we're stronger because of it. So th- but, would um, you say it takes a lot of communication and a lot of understanding of what each other is going through? Yes, um, so much communication. I mean, it's, it's, it's the ultimate test of your relationship, for sure. Well, in many um, ways, but not everybody is able to communicate about everything because here there was a horrible loss in one story. Mm-hmm. The right. other story was going through this journey for so long. And so each of us has to communicate, but I suppose find our own balance with it. Mm-hmm. And eventually, after, you know, for us, after we did it a few times, a couple cycles in, it became like such second nature. And the injections were really just like brushing our teeth. You know, I I did my own injections sometimes if I had to. And uh, it, it was just sort of part of our life. But in hindsight, and also during, during the whole process, I mean, it, it really was just weighing on your mind constantly always. right but what em said also is so important because she was saying it was really a test of their relationship and you were saying um no that for me it was just all consuming so it sort of takes over and i mean and at the same time you were trying to be so supportive yes that's yeah so you know dealing with the loss of my husband's best friend that then completely took over you know, for a long time, that was just something, I mean, I, yeah. So there's so many things that go on during mm-hmm. this that communication's so mm-hmm. important. And it, it's it's really fabulous if the outcome is better communication among the couples. We don't want, I always try and remind people, we don't want the partner to be lost in this process. Right. Right. Because the focus is on the one trying to conceive. Right, the physical part is on the one trying to conceive. What a wonderful way to put it. Right, so, and then, you know, mentally it's for both. Mm -hmm. I definitely remember kind of what you guys were talking about, um, just this feeling of, like, being stuck. If I look back at all those years, like, just the planning, like, you, you know, you're, you're planning around your period, you're planning around cycles, you're planning around... You know, your, if your husband's traveling for work, we face that a lot. So you're planning around these cycles, but then everything else around us, it was like we couldn't make plans. Mm-hmm. Like, it was hard to make vacation plans. Like, look, looking ahead to try to book a vacation, I would be like, yeah, but, 
you know, we might, I might be pregnant then, or we might have to go in for the IVF cycle then, or that's when I'm going to be ovulating. So it just became like, we weren't able to like make plans outside of trying to have a baby. And that, that was really hard on our marriage. It is. And sometimes when I suggest to people, why don't you take a break? Just take a break for a couple months. You can imagine that there's a lot of pushback. I, I would say yeah. that breaks are, are essential, I think. I, we didn't take a break. And I completely agree with what Em is saying, that the all-consuming, the planning, and you know, especially with like my personality, trying to, you tr you're trying to gain some control in a situation where you really don't have any control over. And so I was trying to, you know, again, like squeeze in vacations in between cycles, but we w weren't really planning them in advance because I never, you know, optimistically I had assumed I was going to be pregnant at one of these times and I didn't want to, you know, be flying in my first trimester or whatever scenario that entered my mind based on my foreseeable theoretical plans and my menstrual period and, and so on. So it's just consuming. It, it can be consuming. It is consuming typically. But the word you just use is, I'd like to just talk about for a minute, which is the word control. Mm -hmm. And what is the, what is really the control in this process? Because there is control. It's just identifying where it is. Control was really hard for me as well. Like I, I felt so out of control. I was used to, you know, um, being good at other things in my life. And then when this came up, like I just, I completely fell out of control. I tried to control like my eating more. Um, if I took the right supplements, like I was trying to control all of these other things. Um, my stress, <laughs> controlling my stress level. Um, so it almost became like I tried to gain control in other areas. It wasn't a good mental headspace. The word control is really hard. And maybe this is a good thing to talk about before we kind of sum up. The word control is hard because in today's world, when people wait to be a little bit older, to be, start to become pregnant, they've had a whole life be going on before this. Now that's not always. That's sometimes. We've always had lives going on. And usually if we want a child, there's a reason why we wait. We're used to being able to take the direction and do what we want when we want to. Mm -hmm. And saying, wow, I can't. But knowing that you do have the control to make the decision to either go down a natural path of trying the acupuncture and the herbs and the massage and and meditation and all different types of alternative treatments while in the back of your head thinking maybe something's wrong or just going by the clock doing everything the doctor says and thinking I'm doing everything right but each way along that path there's decisions to be made and each decision is within your control taking the control to leave a fertility clinic to go to another one taking the control to say I'm not going to do any more IVFs, the doctor saying it's no longer healthy for my body, taking the control to say, I'm going to have a family regardless of how I get the family because that's what I want and I'm going to love my family. So I was talking to the on the phone this morning with somebody who adopted two special needs children from another country. She wanted a family and she adores them and they're so connected and so tight. But when she started this whole journey, I think that was the last thing that she thought of 
So if you're kind of giving advice to somebody who's going to begin a fertility journey and you wanted to sum up how you would give them some guidance, have them feel hopeful, have them feel realistic, right? So their thoughts and their feelings kind of could be in sync. What would you suggest? Well, I would, I would suggest, you know, I would want to, 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 for that person to feel hopeful, of course, you know, but I feel that, you know, a certain realistic um, perspective of that it may take more than one time of whatever procedure you do, you know, it might not be as easy as going in and doing one procedure and becoming pregnant. Um, so I think I would, I would encourage uh, people that were about to embark on a fertility treatment to just to keep hope in in the process, even though there might be many letdowns in the early part and unexpected, like you know, disappointments that that you didn't even see coming because you didn't even understand the the depths of the process prior to beginning. So, uh, so that would be one thing. And then the second thing that I think that I would want people to to do is to not blame themselves. I think that often, especially the female um, who, you know, whose body is not becoming pregnant despite all of this, these medical interventions and, you know, uh, alternative treatments, um, you know, you, you start to wonder what's wrong with your body. You know, why can't you do this? Is there something wrong? You know, your, your other peers out there, your count, your other female. Uh, I love that you said that. I really do. I absolutely love that you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I really felt when I went through it, I really felt that I somehow was unhealthy, that mm-hmm. my body just wasn't, you know, performing and you felt, I'm correctly. So sorry, but you felt the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. You blame yourself. You can't help it. It's yeah. <clears throat> and when you blame yourself, all these other feelings come yeah. up around yeah. it, right? You start to feel guilt. You start to feel shame. You right. start to feel alone. You may or may not share the information with other people. There's so much more that comes right. from that. And then you start to question your your uh, d- your past decisions. You know, why didn't I start earlier? Right. I, this is my fault. Uh, you know, had I... A lot of self-blame. Right. Mm-hmm. Had I prepared for this prior to the age 35, you know, this is what I deserve sort of thing. So, you know, that can really stay with you for a little while. Mm-hmm. It can. It can. But I think it's important to not blame yourself to maybe not have tried earlier. At least that's what I tell myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, looking back, and I hope that everything works out, obviously, but I wouldn't have changed anything right now. You know, I was in a different place. So exactly. who's to say I would be where I am now had I done anything differently? three years ago, two years ago. Well, that's so. that's exactly the truth because life happens. Exactly, that, yeah. And we mm-hmm. have life experiences. Right. And we have these experiences now that help to guide us in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and they shape well, where we're meant to be. That's abs- what I sort of believe right, now. Right, I believe that you too. Know, this is where you're meant to end up, yeah. however you get there. Mm-hmm. But definitely a mom. Is there anything you want to add before we end? Um. Yeah, I agree with everything. The shame, the embarrassment, like just stop blaming yourself. Um, I still, though, feel that way. Um, even though, like, I, I tell myself, like, you know, I shouldn't be ashamed. I still feel shame that I wasn't able to get pregnant and it took so long. Um, I think, like, when I think about it, like, I really wish that 
these conversations were more easily discussed. Um, I love when like famous people are like openly discussing their IVF, like Michelle Obama just wrote um, in her book about how she had IVF with her two, for her two girls. Like, I think that's amazing. Like, I, I wish that um, we were able to be more open. And I think for me, like looking back, like, I wish I was able to be more open about it. Um, that I didn't feel like I have to hide something. Like, why did I feel like I have to hide it? Hide what was, what was wrong with me at the time. We're really talking about having the supports in place to be able to openly talk about it. And the interesting thing is that's why all of you wanted to be on today because you wanted people not to be alone and to feel that there are other people who have been on this journey. Agent said she didn't want to give people false hope and false expectations. She wants people to be realistic about, you know, potentially what a path can be when it doesn't happen right away or after a year or two or after all these other treatments. So the interesting thing is you're all very true to yourself in terms of the treatments that you see that you sought out and you have to commend yourselves for that. And being able to be in a place where you can not blame yourself is a strong place to be in. But allowing yourself to realize that you took control and that you have the families that you want or soon to be, that there's apprehension about next time you get pregnant, but you know you have the strength to continue that journey if that's what you choose to do. So thank you all for coming on today. I know that this wasn't easy, but I think it was incredibly helpful for a lot of people. So if anybody has any questions or would like any more information, please feel free to contact me at lauriemetz.net. Thank you. Thank you.